Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Uh, hello, everyone. Sorry, we're a little uh, technically challenged in here today. I uh, gotta love technology. Uh, Eric France and Andre Salvis, and actually Andre will be joining me in a little bit. He's uh, he's up to Utah State basketball practice, and uh, Coach Anderson, not Coach Anderson, Coach Smith will be addressing the media to prepare for Utah State and Boise State on Saturday. And uh, uh, it's going to be a big game for a lot of different reasons. Boise State is kind of streaking right now. They're they're playing very good basketball. Uh, they're uh, they've won quite a few games here lately. Um, they're uh, certainly feeling pretty good about themselves after what they did to Utah State in Boise earlier this, uh, well, actually last month. So um, a lot of different things in in line for that in the Mountain West Conference play. But it's also going to be a reunion game. A lot of former teams will be honored and recognized. Stu Morrow will be there. A lot of other former players will be there. It's an anniversary celebration for uh, Wayne Estes as it's the 55th year since his passing. And it'll be a celebration of the uh, Spectrum as it's been in operation for 50 years. So a lot of uh, really special things are planned on Saturday night. Again, it'll start at 8, and if you don't already have your tickets, you might need to look to see if you can uh, beg some off of somebody else because I don't think any tickets are available, but uh, at least not for purchase through the ticket office. You could call and ask, but from what I understand, it's sold out. Uh, But uh, the game starts at 8. If you can't make it, if you don't already have your tickets, then you can watch the game on CBS Sports Network. Our sister station, KVNU, will be doing a full hour pregame uh, starting at 7. And, uh, and to go from 7 until 8, Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, breaking it down, sharing some of their memories. And uh, that should be a lot of fun. And then as soon as the game is over, they'll be on again to break it down and take your phone calls and reactions to uh, what happened in the spectrum that night. So anyway, stay tuned for all of that uh, coming up uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Boise State is uh, ahead of Utah State in the standings right now in the Mountain West. Utah State's trying to uh, get themselves back up to the upper uh, tier of that. But as we've talked about, there's like four or five teams that are only separated by a game and a half in the standings. So um, it, uh, every little game means a lot uh, for, these, uh, for these standings and the way things are playing out right now in the Mountain West Conference. So... It's a big one for the Aggies, and uh, a lot of different things will be going on. On one hand, it's it's a great opportunity to reflect and recognize those uh, that have been there before and to celebrate them. But on the other hand, it can sometimes prove to be a little bit of a distraction. And uh, we talked a little bit about that yesterday with Sam Merrill. Besides all those other things that are going on, Merrill is only a few points away, 21 points away from hitting that 2,000-point mark which would put him within the top four of all time for Utah State. And uh, if he gets a few more points, a few extra points, he could actually surpass 
um, Wayne Estes. So, um, you know, how much of that will be weighing on him or will distract him or will he just be focused on trying to beat Boise State and let everything else fall into place? So this season, at some point, he will surpass Wayne Estes. Just the question is, will it happen on Saturday? Uh, Utah State has some interesting things planned. Uh, you can read about that on cashvalleydaily.com and uh, to uh, to see some of the things that will be recognized. Liddell Anderson will also be honored and recognized as he passed away just a few short months ago, and he had a significant impact on uh, Utah State athletics, not just basketball, but he was an athletics director for for a time for USU. So uh, nice recognition and honors that will be taking place to uh, to remember him as well. So going to be a lot of fun, a lot of great tributes and uh, opportunities to recognize some of the great moments in, in the Spectrum history. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to catch up with a lot of these Aggies that were there, that were participated in one form or another over the years and personally had their own great moments in the Spectrum. Uh, we've been able to talk to quite a few of them and it was fun catching up with Al Lewis yesterday as well. As he has called so many games there in the spectrum over the years, over the decades. Uh, and so much of a depth of knowledge and understanding, still very sharp, still a great memory, and still comes with so much great preparation in what he does in the uh, Aggie pregame coverage that, he, that they do on KVNU before each basketball game. So if you missed any of those interviews that we've done over the past week, and there's a lot of them, you just go to our website, 1069thefan.com. There is a podcast section there. Uh, make sure you click on the new uh, podcasts area, uh, not the archive. And you'll see a lot of the great interviews that we've done, like for, with Troy Roll and and uh, Tyler Newbolt and Spencer Nelson and uh, Greg Wilkinson last night. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Gary, Not Greg, Gary Wilkinson. So we've had a lot of fun talking to these guys. Uh, over the uh, this past week, Roddy Anderson is another one. So uh, Bernard Rock, and you can go back and find those on our website, 1069thefan.com. Um, so and if you don't have that, uh, you're, you're, well, I guess another way to do it too is to subscribe to our podcast, and we make those available wherever uh, podcasts uh, are found. You can subscribe to our podcast in a lot of different platforms. Just search for my name, Ajay uh, Salveson or the Full Court Press, and uh, you'll find a lot of that there. So uh, anyway, it's been a lot of fun, and uh, we're going to try to pull that into one resource just in one place on Cash Valley Daily as well for others that would like to discover it in other ways. But uh, So a lot of different things are going to be planned in the spectrum tomorrow night, and uh, a little bit later on here in the show, we'll hear from uh, Coach Smith about Boise State and where they are right now with the Aggies are planning for uh, a team that they had complete control over until the last couple of minutes when they just collapsed. And, uh, you know, if they just inbounded the ball and held on to it for until the, the shot clock expired, they would have still won the game. But uh, it just didn't happen that way. Uh, but uh, Boise State, feeling like they've got some momentum on their side as well. So we'll hear a little bit more about them. Uh, speaking of Boise State... They're in the news again for other reasons, for their football team. Now, uh, we heard the news earlier in the year that Mountain West had signed a new media contract with Fox and with CBS Sports Network. Now, CBS Sports Network was with the Mountain West before. They had the partnership with the Mountain West, and they've extended it. And then they 
basically upped the ante a little bit on that. But now uh, Fox is getting into the mix and replacing ESPN. Boise State didn't like that. They felt like they had a great relationship and great partnership with ESPN over the years. But um, but they're going to Fox. They're going to earn a lot more money doing it that way. But what was interesting is in the announcement, Commissioner Craig Thompson made a point to say, and the next time that the Mountain West negotiates a TV rights deal, that Boise State would not get their special exemption uh, maybe it's not an exemption, but special treatments where they could earn more than everybody else. Uh, the current deal says that they can continue to earn more than everybody else, but he made a point to say that this is going to be the last time that that happens. Well, as we would have expected, Boise State officials took umbrage with that and threatened to file a lawsuit, which they did, and said, hey, in the, the bylaws, that in the agreement that you put together, that you signed off on, that we signed off on, when we came back to the Mountain West, you said that we could negotiate our own deals for our own home games and get extra money to do that. There was not an expiration on that. And now you're trying to change the game, even though we have something that says that you, you shouldn't be changing the game. And so they filed a suit. And uh, later that day, the Mountain West said, hey, we're, we're uh, working on something. And uh, both parties issued the statement together. Well, it t- looks like last night, the, uh, this is according to the San Diego Tribune. Um, it looks like, the, the, according to their story, they have worked things out and um, they're going to rescind that decision, which would end this special treatment for Boise. And with that, Boise State's going to drop the legal complaint and they'll agree to the terms of this new TV contract. So basically, they're back to where they were. Uh, so Boise State still gets to get extra rights for their home football games. Um, they get extra money. Uh, everybody else is still going to get a, a nice increase with their new contract with CBS and Fox. And uh, But Boise State gets an extra $1.8 million per year once the new deal expires in 2026. And that's what has some people upset, that why does Boise State continue to be treated differently than everybody else? Um, uh, there were a number of the Mountain West Board of Directors who are basically university presidents have said, uh, have had a strong feeling like, like that's, not, that's not fair. We can't continue to do that. Boise State will, over time, continue to create a wider gap between themselves and their predecessors, everybody else in their, not predecessors, but everybody else in the conference, their, their contemporaries, and that will create a larger gap and division. And it's just, it's not fair. Why should they be treated differently? But on the other hand, there's certainly this strong implication that Boise State is good for the Mountain West. When Boise State is good, it brings in more ratings and it brings in more revenue for the conference as a whole. Um, Somebody was trying to go on social media earlier saying that, look, when you spread that $1.8 million out across all the schools in the Mountain West, it's really not that much. But I disagree with that. It actually is. If you're a, an athletic department that's constantly in the red or flirting with being in the red, which much of these small athletic departments are in that territory, one hundred fifty dollars means a lot. And if you spread it equally, and really it's more like 160, but still. 
Um, it, it is a big deal. Uh, it will be interesting to see how the Mountain West can handle this in 2026 when it expires. I think the media and college landscape, athletics landscape, is going to look very different in 2026. Maybe it becomes a non-issue, but um, it, it is clear the Mountain West has fired a volley saying, look, we, it, it, we've made it very public that we don't like this, and uh, we do wish to make something different about this. But in response, the Mountain West, the Boise State has said, hey, if you want us to still be in this league, you got to let this still happen because you said it would and you didn't put an expiration on it. So we're going to hold to it and hold you to it. Um, and it, it started to, to turn the wheels for many up in Boise State thinking, where else could we go? What could we do? Do we follow BYU and go independent? Um, there are, really aren't too many other options for them right now. Uh, no, haven't heard of any other conferences talking expansion uh, significant expansion discussions lately. So, um, you know, what would Boise State do other than independence? So, anyway, it's uh, it's been an interesting uh, thought discussion to see what uh, Boise State would do, how the Mountain West would respond. But again, according to the San Diego Tribune, an article posted late last night, uh, Mountain West Board of Directors basically had a, a vote. They didn't make it very public that... Uh, they're going to make things happen um, to uh, let that uh, let that quietly go away, and Boise State would quietly drop their lawsuit, and that Boise would continue to be treated uh, special and uh, receive more than anybody else. Um, so, uh, anyway, this uh, interesting to see how this continues, but as it stands for now, um, they will continue to uh, all the other schools are going to get a, a, a an upgrade with this new media deal, and Boise State still gets their special treatment. All right, uh, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, uh, look at some of the other things going on in the Mountain West. Uh, We'll update you on where things stand currently in the net rankings, what's kind of on the line, who's playing this weekend. We'll also look at Region 11, big schedule of games uh, this evening in Region 11. There was an upset in Girls Region 11 last night, and we'll update you on that, what the current standings look like uh, there. Uh, Coming up here in just a little bit as well, we're going to have a conversation with one of the great Aggie guards, Marcus Saxon, who played for the Aggies in the late 90s. And uh, this part of our our interview segments with above-average former Aggie players, Marcus Saxon joins that list, and we'll hear from him. And then coming up next hour, we'll hear from the big man himself, Stu Morrill, in a a, a two-part interview segment that we'll have and we'll hear from him, and then we'll hear more about Utah State and Boise State. Uh, Utah Jazz are in action tonight as well. Lots of things to cover here on a Friday here on the Full Court Press. It doesn't matter who you root for. The Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson here on the Full Court Press. Coming up in just a little bit, Marcus Saxon will be joining me. Talk about his memories at Utah State. 
And uh, his time in an Aggie uniform in the late 90s, part of our interview series with former above average Aggie basketball players, whatever it is, Aggie legends. I like it's a lot simpler that way. So anyway, that's coming up here at about 4.30 here on the Full Court Press. In the 5 o'clock hour, we'll hear from Stu Morrill. Uh, the only regret that we've had is that the interview with Stu Morrill happened before any other of the interviews. And uh, we've had some great Stu Morrill stories that have been shared. And uh, we weren't able to re- replay any of those anecdotes for Stu and have him react to some of those stories. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we look forward to hearing from him coming up next hour. So stay tuned for that here on the Full Court Press. Also coming up a little bit later on tonight, we've got some Region 11 uh, play. Uh, we've got um, you know, Skyview is going to be in action uh, tonight uh, right here on the fan. So that'll be coming up. Uh, that will preempt the, uh, the Jazz game. Jazz do play the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Jazz looking for something after losing five straight. And, uh, man, the, the, the criticism of the Utah Jazz has been dialed up incredibly over the last week, week and a half. And I get it. Uh, some of it is warranted. But uh, this this is a team that did win 20 of 22 games. Let's not lose sight of that uh, in a row before they hit this slide. Uh, a lot of these great teams in the NBA have had bumps in the road uh, at different times this season. So uh, it it does happen. So uh, don't don't worry about that. I don't think so. We'll see how they do tonight when they take on the Portland Trailblazers. That game is a little bit later on this evening. Uh, Damian Lillard uh, visiting the Utah Jazz, um, and yeah. So the real question there is how well will they do defensively? Can they slow him down because he's been on a tear <laughs> lately? Uh, but that game's going to be at eight thirty. This evening, it'll be on ESPN. Uh, Jazz are favored in this one, but they've been favored in quite a few of these lately and haven't been able to make it make it work. They're favored by 10. They were favored by 11 over Denver and weren't able to pull that one off. Uh, speaking of basketball, Region 11, girls basketball last night, uh, some upset. Uh, or a surprise uh, in uh, Region 11. This game was played at Ridgeline last night, Skyview at Ridgeline. Ridgeline, the number two team in the state, going into last night, they were undefeated in region play. They were the number two team overall. Skyview, um, further down on the list in the overall RPI standings. But um, Skyview goes in there. They battle back and forth. It's a close game. Ridgeline had the lead. They lost the lead. Skyview takes it. um, And it was a back and forth. The last few seconds, last 30 seconds or so, took forever because of all the timeouts and fouling. But in the end, Skyview comes out on top 54-51. to 51. Ridgeline had a shot to tie at the end, couldn't make it. So Skyview with the upset in Millville last night. So um, Sky, Ridgeline is still on top in Region 11 standings. They're 7-1. Now uh, Green Canyon, they beat Logan. That was a close game last night as well. Some really close games. In region play, uh, but Green Canyon beat Logan forty-six to forty-two. Uh, so Green Canyon is number two in the region standings at six and two. Skyview is five and three. Logan's four and five. And then there's a bit of a gap there with Bear River is one and six, and Mountain Crest has still yet to win 
a game in uh, in region play for uh, girls basketball. Uh, you want to see what's going on tonight in region play for the boys? We've got the full schedule on CashValleyDaily.com. Just go to the menu. You can click on the drop-down menu there where it says sports. And then there's another drop-down for local prep sports or high school sports. And you'll see the link to uh, high school basketball, local basketball uh, schedules. And that'll have the full schedule. It'll have the links to all the games and uh, where you can see who's playing where, what radio stations are going to be covering them, and even uh, how to stream them. So you can stream it live and listen to it on your desktop, on your mobile device, you know, wherever you might be, in the state, out of the state. So uh, it's another busy night for high school basketball tonight uh, throughout Region 11. And we'll have all those carried uh, throughout our network of stations here on the Cash Valley Media Group and uh, our, our network of stations. So stay tuned for that. Uh, coming up here in just a little bit, uh, we're going to have a conversation with uh, Marcus Saxon. He was a uh, guard for the Utah State Aggies. He uh, earned all Big West honors uh, multiple times. Uh, first time, uh, first team All Big West in his first year of league play. Uh, did it again in his senior season. Um, averaged 27 points in the Big West tournament. So definitely a big contributor for Utah State back in the late 90s and uh, those Larry Eustacey teams. And uh, he'll be joining us here in just a little bit. Then we'll also be hearing from um, uh, Stu Morrill coming up next hour and just sharing some of his memories about Utah State and the, the, the players and the venues and some of the games that got away from him that they weren't able to quite finish. The game that sticks out to him the most and the one that got away, we'll hear from him his comments on that as well. So stay tuned for that coming up. That'll be next hour here on the Full Court Press. It's Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. He'll be joining me in a little bit to, to talk about Utah State and Boise State. We'll hear from Craig Smith as well coming up next hour as a, it's a big conference game on Saturday night. It's all coming up here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Breaking things down, what's going on in the what's going on in sports? A lot of different things going on. We got Region 11 High School, big games going on tonight. Uh, we've got uh, Utah Jazz that are in action tomorrow, Utah State, Boise State, big reunions that are taking place, a lot of celebrations uh, taking place before the game. And uh, recognizing some of those that, that have come before us. And we're a big part of success in different variations in different eras. And one of those guys is going to be joining us now. And uh, that's uh, Marcus Saxon. He was a tremendous player for the Utah State Aggies. A guard that was twice named first team all Big West. Had an incredible run in the Big West uh, tournament his senior season. And he joins us now. Marcus Saxon, thank you so much for joining us here in the Full Court Press. Oh, my man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, uh, first of all, just... Uh, when you reflect back on your time 
wearing an Aggie jersey, playing in the Spectrum. Uh, what stands out to you most? Uh, what do you remember most fondly uh, about your time at Utah State? Um, what stands out most was the fans. When I first got to Utah State, the only thing I wanted to do was play in the Spectrum. And when I, I think it was Midnight Madness was the first time I got a chance to actually play in front of it was maybe 9,000 people yelling and screaming. I hadn't had that before. So it was, it was pretty it was pretty cool for me. What was that process that brought you to Utah State? Who initially recruited you? Um, first, it was Dave Miller. I played for a guy named Kermit Davis down at Chipola Junior College. And then I signed with the University of Arkansas. And that summer... I have, I got in trouble at the University of Arkansas for accepting some money. And I really didn't have no way to go. Once I did the, the process of going through the NCAA tournament, I mean, uh, the NCAA, and they did their background and did all this and found out that we actually accepted some cash. I had nowhere else to go. And Kermit David called, called me the next day, I think, and said, hey, would you like to come to Utah State? And I said, coach, send me a ticket. I'll be there. And I already had an, a relationship with Larry. So it made it pretty pretty simple for me. What was it like your first time when you when you met Larry Eustacey? What was your first first impressions of him? My first impression of Larry, I thought he was pretty funny because he told a lot of jokes. We were sitting in his office, and I knew I had to sit out that year, so it really wasn't a big thing. But uh, somebody else was sitting in his office a guy by the name of uh, Roddy Anderson. Hmm. He told me, if you want to understand me, just hang around Roddy this whole year and you will understand, understand everything about me. And that's what I did. So when I first got a chance to play for him, it really wasn't that hard. I knew he was a yeller. I knew he was a screamer. I know he got on you and made you, made you a better player. So it really didn't bother me at all. That year where you had to sit out and uh, you, you shadowed Roddy Anderson – what was uh, what were some of the biggest things you learned about the Utah State uh, culture of basketball that Eustacey was building at that time? Um, just from being around Roddy and, and watching practice, I knew that you was going to rebound, you were going to defend, and you were going to play hard every night. It didn't matter who the opponent was. It didn't matter that the team wasn't didn't have any size or anything like that. You were you were going to play hard. You were going to give maximum effort, or you weren't going to play. Uh, when you uh, started to play for Utah State, you were an instant impact player. Uh, I mean, you were uh, the, the, a first-teamer in the Big West. You were on the all-tournament uh, team in the Big West tournament. Um, how did your skill set really fit into what, what needed to happen, what, what you, Stacey, wanted to implement on the court? How did that system really, I guess, how did you really fit into that system that really caused you to flourish and play so well? Like I said, I came from Chipotle and Kermit Davis and Coach Stacey were really good friends, and they kind of ran the same system. A lot of set plays. I kind of knew uh, most of the terminology. It it started it started off when I first it started off a little rocky. My first first seven or eight games, and Coach started letting me do a little bit more. He started letting me get rebounds and push the ball. He let me put my talents into the game, like he always said. And it just it just started going real smooth for me, and I probably could have could have averaged about twenty points, but that wouldn't help us win. 
So I got everybody else involved. And plus I was a bigger a bigger point guard than pretty much everybody every other point guard in the league. So I think that helped a lot too. Your how much was it different your senior year compared to your junior year? My senior year was different because I didn't we didn't have a, a known presence in the paint at that time. We had a bunch of young guys. And I had to be more of a leader, me, Justin Jones, and Kevin Rice. The offense was – Coach Stacy changed the offense to cater around the three guards that we had because of our skill set. Opposed to my junior year, we had Maurice Spillers and Antoine, who really you know, kind of demanded the ball in the paint, and we could get some easy baskets in the paint. My senior, we turned into a guard-oriented team, and I think we flourished a lot more because he, he let us run a little bit more. Uh, when the uh, the Big West, as it was, uh, and we've talked a little bit about this among some of the other guys that we've talked to who played in the Big West, uh, kind of an underrated conference. There weren't always a lot of great teams, but there were some great matchups and great battles that Utah State had in the Big West Conference over the years. Were there a, a, a team particularly that stood out to you that was always tough to play? Yes, uh, those specific teams at the time, they were pretty tough to play. I think my, my senior year, you had the number one pick in the draft, which was Michael Oluwakandi. And That's right, Pacific, yeah. Yeah, Pacific at the time, their starting lineup was a 7-foot-1 center, a 6-foot-11 power forward, a 6-7 small forward, and both of the guards were 6-4. So they had a lot of height, and they were well coached, I think. They coach was maybe one of the best coaches in in the in the league, maybe in America at the time. And Nevada was pretty tough too. You knew you were going to get a pretty stellar challenge from those Nevada teams back in those days. Was there a guy that the, that you knew that you were always going to get up for when you knew you were going to go up against him in conference play? Was there a player that you would always go up against that? Whether he was guarding you or you got to play against him or you wanted to score on him, that always got you going a little bit more than others. I wouldn't necessarily say it was a player that I got up for because I pretty much got up for everybody. It didn't. If I played against you in the hyper or in the field house, I was ready. I was up for everybody, and I played a lot of basketball in those in those two two places. But it was a it was a team and a coach that I always got up for that I always had to – I always wanted to play my best. They say it was the Idaho teams at the time because Kermit Davis coached those Idaho teams. Mm. And he was uh, he was a coach of mine, and he got me to Utah State. I always wanted to win those games. So, I, I, yeah, I literally got up, like, couldn't wait to play, couldn't wait to get to the gym for shoot-around, couldn't, you know, shake Kermit's hand. And after that, it was on. <laughs> Was there any uh, any trash talking that was going on in the leading up to it as you guys were on the court and getting ready for the game to start? Uh, I wasn't a big trash talker, mainly because uh, I was just focused on the game and I figured if I talked a lot, then I wasn't doing my job. And Coach Stacy really didn't allow the trash talk. He was the only one doing all the trash talking at the time <laughs> to other coaches and his own team. So we kind of just let him do his thing. But I wasn't really a big trash talker. I would let you know that I scored a basket. I'll look at you or something. But, yeah, that was pretty much it for me. 
<laughs> That's great. Uh, again, we're talking to Marcus Saxon, a uh, great guard for Utah State uh, in the 96-97 season, his junior year, 97-98 was his senior season. Um, I want you to reflect back on that Big West tournament your senior year. You went off. Uh, you were phenomenal that year. You averaged 27 points in that tournament. You're grabbing rebounds, dishing assists. What was it about that tournament that allowed you to take things to another level to get those wins for Utah State? Before uh, I think before that tournament, they had you know they put out the all put out the all Big West team and the Player of the Year, and I thought I was in strong consideration for Player of the Year for one. And I thought I you know I thought I played well throughout the whole conference. And when I found out that I wasn't Player of the Year, I wanted to let everybody know that I was the best player in that conference. So I told my assistant coach at the time we were driving down to Salt Salt Lake, the border plane to go to to Reno, I said, um, I wasn't player of the year, but I'm going to be MVP of this tournament. And uh, LP turned to me and said, how are you going to do that? I said, uh, well, I'm going to show you. I'm I'm definitely going to be MVP of this tournament when we leave here, and we're definitely going to get an NCAA bid. And I, I guess I just I turned it on, man, and I played well. And that was that. No kidding you played well. Uh, it was a great run. I mean, you had a 31 point night. Uh, I mean, you, you were you were torching uh, teams. That the way that team was built. You said that um, you referred to this earlier. That um, that your senior year, the team's strength was in the guard play. Um, and we just talk about some of the other teammates that you had that year that you were got to play with and uh, play alongside. That uh, you guys all kept each other going. Oh man, I played with with one of Utah State's finest, uh, Kevin Rice, one of the most athletic guys I think I've played with. Uh, Justin Jones was an outstanding shooter, kind of puts you in the mind of a. He was Sam Merrill and J.C. Carroll before those guys got there. Donnie Johnson was a six-six power forward, center type. Farrell Davis, Charles Brady. We we had a we had a small team, but we had a scrappy team. Then we had a kid come in from that trans. He came off a mission, and he transferred from Weber State, named Neil Geddes, who was a six-one outstanding shooter. And we just all we we hung out. We hung out as as a team. We kind of jailed together. Coach changed the offense to let us do more. Besides just run set plays, we got a chance to penetrate a lot more. I think with our three guards, I, I didn't think nobody in the in the country could guard us. Me personally, that's just how I felt every night, and it kind of showed in our play. This uh, this weekend, Utah State is celebrating 50 years of the Spectrum. Uh, what are some oh, of your fond memories of playing in the Spectrum? Do you have any particular games that stand out over others? Um, yes, I, actually, I do. My my junior year, we played BYU in Provo. This is just a story leading up to it, and we lost. And at the time, well, that year, BYU went 1-25, and we were the only team that, that they beat. So the following year, I think they put in the, in the paper, the coach said something like they were going to come in and do the same thing. And we had about eleven or 12,000 people in the spectrum. It was sold out as a rowdy crowd. And I was playing terrible, but I was playing great defense. And Coach Stacy didn't take me out the game. And I think 
a kid, uh, Bowers, he was their best player, and I defended him the whole night and kind of shut him out, and they gave him the ball with with a couple seconds left, them down one, and he tried to make a move, and I, I picked his pocket and sealed the game for us, and everybody went crazy around on the court. So that was a big moment. And when we won the Big West Conference title my senior year, and my mom and my grandmother were at the game, those that was a pretty big moment for me too. That was senior night. So that was those were pretty special times for me. You were part of a group that was able to go to an NCAA tournament game. Uh, what was it like when you got word that you guys were going? I mean, when you win the tournament, the Big West, you you know you're going to go. But when did it sink in yeah. that I get to go play in the big dance? Uh, the horn sounded after we, we were playing Pacific in, this, in uh, the championship game in, of the Big West Conference tournament down there and. Uh, we won, and, and, you know, everybody came on the court. We celebrated, took a few pictures, and we went in this back room of, I forgot the name of Reno's Coliseum, and they had the TVs going, and we're, we're all sitting there anxious, waiting to see what our seed was and where we were going to play. And Coach always said, it doesn't matter who you play, you know, we're in. And it came up that we were going to Stockton, California, and we were going to play Maryland. We were a 13 seed. And everybody was like a 13 seed. I, and I stood up, and, and that's when I said, it don't matter. We're in. We're going to go. We got a chance to win. I don't think they can beat us. But they beat us. That's another story. But, yeah, <laughs> I was very excited about going to the tournament. Yeah, so I think that's what all basketball players play for, to go to the tournament and, and try to win a national championship. And we were in, and we had a chance like every other team. Yeah, go take us through that game uh, facing Maryland. They had uh, some pretty spectacular athletes that year. Uh, just uh, what that was like playing on that stage and playing against a team like that. It was uh, for me. It was fairly easy. I played against some of those guys coming up: uh, Leron Prophet and uh, Abina Akizi and Terrell Stokes. I played against a few of those guys, so I knew they were going to come out and give the all. They were bigger than us. So the first thing they were going to try to do was throw the ball in and get some easy baskets and get some easy fouls on us. And that's what they did. They jumped out on us 15 to 2 or 3 or something like that. We couldn't get it going. Coach Stacy called a timeout, did his Coach Stacy thing, his song and dance. He got on everybody in the huddle. He came back out. We went on the run. And I say I, I made a play, got fouled, made the layup. And Farrell Davis, we actually went up on Maryland, like 23 to 21, and Farrell Davis ripped the net down. And they stopped the game for about 15 minutes. And I thought we, at that time, I thought we had a chance to put it away because we made an outstanding run on them. And you can see we, it kind of took the win out of the sails. And after uh, Farrell ripped the net down, I think it kind of took the win out of our sails because they went on the run and we couldn't recover. Mm. I had forgotten about the net uh, situation that happened in that game. Yeah. Yeah. That was so, nuts. Uh, so uh, one of the other things that we like doing uh, when we catch up with uh, these former Aggies is just to find out what, what happened after you left Utah State uh, and uh, yes, where life took you after uh, after you had to hang up the, the Aggie jersey. Oh, well, right after Utah State, you know, I did a lot of uh, going to NBA teams and working out. 
I, went, I think I went to every team in the league and thought I had a great chance of, of being drafted. And when I didn't get drafted, I ended up going to Cleveland, a training camp. And Mike Patello was the coach at the time, and he retired, and they brought in Randy Whitman. And he waived me on the last cut, which was fine. And then I ended up going to play in the CBA for 10 games, and I, I got offered a contract to go to Russia to play for BC Sparta, uh, St. Petersburg. And I played over in Russia for a while, then I went and played in Spain, played in Turkey, played in uh, the Philippines, played in China, Korea. Then I played, I finished my career off playing in Chile. So I ended up playing 11 years, retired, went back to South Carolina, bought as much real estate as I could and commercial properties. And I did that. And I, a few years ago, I got back into coaching and I ended up coaching down in, in Mexico. Wow. Turned that into, yeah, turned that into doing player development. So, yeah, I, I've had a, I had a great career, man, and can't ask for no more. Utah State gave me an opportunity, and I'll always be an Aggie. I always love it. So, so where do you hang your hat now? What are you up to right now? Um, now I'm, I'm in Dallas, Texas. I got my, I got a nephew that's playing tonight. That's why I didn't make it to Logan. But now I'm, I'm in San Diego and I travel from, from here, from there to uh, Mexico and do a little player development. What is that like? Is, is there a lot of, uh, is there a, some up and coming talent coming out of Mexico? <laughs> or is that a long it's, game, long process? It's a, it's a long game. It's a professional league. It's a long game for, for a lot of those guys. They, they really, some really do need the development, but some is just an opportunity to play basketball, man, doing what they, they love to do. And I applaud those guys ever because I was one of those guys that just loved to play basketball. Well, Marcus, it's been a lot of fun catching up with you. It's always entertaining to hear the stories and uh, what what brought the athletes to Utah State and their, their fond memories. Um, do you keep up with some of the other players that you uh, played with back in the day? Oh, yes. I keep up with uh, Kevin Rice. Uh, I talk to Neil Geddes. Sometimes I talk to Charles Brady. Maurice Spillers. I talked to Roddy Anderson here pretty much a lot. So yeah, I try to keep up with all all my teammates if I could, if I can. Well, that's great. Well, uh, it was fun watching you as an athlete on the court, and it's been fun finding out what you've been doing since then. I really appreciate your time tonight, and best of luck as uh, you continue your career and still doing some things with basketball. It sounds like it's pretty exciting. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, my man, and y'all have a good day. All right, thank you, Marcus Saxon, six foot two guard. Uh, all, all first team, uh, all Big West, both his junior and senior years, tore it up in the in the uh, conference tournament his senior year, and it sounds like he's been a lot of, been doing some pretty exciting things since he left Utah State. Uh, coming up next hour, we'll hear from Stu Morrill. Stay tuned for that, uh, and we'll hear an extended conversation with Stu uh, about some of his memories of Utah State as well. So stick around. You're on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Eric Franson, you're on the Full Court Press. AJ is up uh, meeting with the team, trying to get some additional information with Sam Merrill as well. as He he approaches a very significant milestone in his playing career. Uh, so uh, he'll be joining us a little bit later on.
Uh, we'll hear from Stu Morrill, a two-part interview coming up next hour. Don't want to miss that. Um, and then we'll preview, we'll go a little bit deeper into Utah State and Boise State uh, next hour. Big thanks to Marcus Saxon for joining us here on the Full Court Press. A reminder, if you missed any of these interviews and you want to hear them again, just go to our website, 1069thefan.com. We've got a big uh, resource there of all these past uh, interviews that we've been able to do. Uh, Utah Jazz, they're in action tonight, taking on the Portland Trailblazers. They've lost five in a row. Uh, Adam, the intern, hop on the microphone here. Can Do you see an end in sight here? Do you think the Jazz are poised to turn this around, or were we just drinking the Kool-Aid a little too much when they had that big winning streak going on? I want to say that they can turn it around, but if you're going to turn it around, it has to be tonight that you do it. I don't want to give them a hard deadline or anything like that because, I mean, obviously sports is crazy and you can make anything work, but I feel like if you lose six in a row after coming off like a, what, a 20 and out of 22 winning streak or whatever, that's a, that's a bad sign. And that just means there's something not like it's not meshing in the locker room. So I don't know if Quinn needs to work on his rotations or something like that. I want to say they can turn it around, but it has to be tonight if they're going to start. Well, as I've looked at this losing streak, I've been trying to figure out what, what's consistently wrong with the Jazz and what they've been doing. I think in the first couple of games that they lost, it was pretty clear. Teams went small. They went five out. They went ball handlers and shooters, and the Jazz just didn't make the adjustments to, to figure it out. Uh, the defense picked up and was better against the Nuggets in Denver, but they had a collapse at the end of the third quarter and early part of the fourth. Like game got away from them, and then they had too deep of a hole to dig themselves out of. But when they went to the Trailblazers, uh, it was a it was a guard that just went nuts. And so it it seems like they've the last three losses seem to be very different in each in each way that they they've lost, which makes it a little more confusing and frustrating. I think. Yeah, I feel like there's no. Um... I don't want to put all the blame on Mike. I know a lot of people do, but I don't think it's Conley's fault. I think what's going on is late in games, if games are getting closer, you know, you got to pull out a win. There's no real hierarchy because there's too many chefs in the kitchen and they all want to add their thing to, I guess, the dish or whatever. (laughs) Um, And so you don't know if it's going to be Donovan or Rudy or Conley. And so I just think they got to figure out rotations in order to make it better. Oh, I agree. All right, stick around. Stu Morrill uh, conversations coming up next hour on the Full Court Press. And this is Above the Noise. Well, welcome to the first weekend without football. If you're wondering what to do with your time, you're not alone. Football defines our lives in a lot of ways, and now it's time to find something else. March is right around the corner, so it's time for the annual college basketball crash course. NBA and NHL playoffs are coming up before long. There's always the NFL draft, the combine. Get a little bit of X's and O's. Or maybe you're going to give the XFL a shot. They have some interesting rule changes that should keep things interesting. Don't forget the Masters a couple of months away, so it's time to start paying attention to golf. Or maybe you take a different approach. How about you read a book? Take a walk with the family and friends. Pick up a new hobby. Who am I kidding? Just because the NFL is done doesn't mean we're done wasting an inordinate amount of time on our couch watching somebody compete at something. We'll find something to watch. Why? That's just what we do. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.